0: Doug spent nine years on tour. Um, He was number one amateur in the world, won the U.S. Junior. Just like amazing, amazing career. Crazy how much he helped me Um, because I, I knew how to swing the golf club. I knew how to hit the golf ball, but I didn't really know how to truly play golf going into college.
1: today we are joined by Austin Squires. Austin is a professional golfer who plays on the Latin America and the Canadian Tour. In college, Austin played at the University of Cincinnati, where his freshman year he had a stroke average of 76, but sophomore year had a stroke average of 71.92 and won the Firestone Invitational. As a senior, he had a stroke average of 70.62, which was a school record. Outside of school, Austin placed highly in other amateur events, including the USAM, where he made it to the quarterfinals both 2018 and 2019. In the 2019 USAM, he made it to match play through a 27-for-3 playoff and then defeated number one-ranked Brandon Wu in his first match. Let's let's start, though, with your junior career. and Really, I think the best way to open it um, is... I remember the first time, and I think the only time I played with you, I was 15 years old, and I think we're about the same. It was in a plantation junior golf tour event at Lassing Point in Union, Kentucky, and I shot 111-100. That 111 was the first round with you, Uh, and then um, you ended up going on to win that. I think you shot like uh, 72-70 to win it, and so at the age of 15, you're already a good junior player. How'd you get into golf, uh, and into tournament golf?
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, growing up, I would, I played all the sports, um, you know, football, basketball, everything. Um, and you know, I would go out to the golf course with my dad and it'd be the summertime and it'd be super hot. And all my friends are at the pool and I'm just like, oh, dad, I don't want to do this. Like, it's not that fun. And then, um, When I was eleven he signed me up for the seven up junior tour, which is like a northern Kentucky junior tour. And um yeah, that was kinda where I fell in love with it, just like playing with other kids my age and like competing. Um and from that point on, like, I didn't really play any other sports. Um like I played played basketball in like seventh grade, but other than that, from eleven on I just pretty much focused on golf and that was it. Um but yeah, and then just kept on progressing
1: very cool and so uh you started in that setup and up and eventually i know uh like you played in the 2014 uh u.s junior am you came in third in an ajga in 2014 what got you into those types of events uh or getting to that seriousness level
0: right and so actually like early high school i was actually kind of like not as good as my peers, I would say, because, um, like, I, I didn't make the the travel team, like, to state until sophomore year when uh, two of my teammates, Logan Gam and Zach Adams, they were on it in, like, eighth grade and freshman year. Um, and so, like, I was kind of behind them from, like, comparing us. Um, and then it was just kind of like a, a yearly progression. Um, and it wasn't like I had any crazy goals I just was in love with the game and and continue to get better each year and so come like my junior year that was when I started to like realize that like I was kind of moving past them and and um yeah kind of getting that next level I guess um yeah funny funny story actually about that um US amateur qualifier uh one of my good friends and I went into the playoff um and we both parred the first hole. And then, on we, I guess we, it was at Bowling Green. So we went to the ninth hole. And, um, like him was right on top of that slope. And so I was short of the slope. He was on top. And it looked like he was, you know, going to be, um, he had the advantage. Anyways, I, I putted mine up to like four feet or so. And, um, he, we were both so nervous and he putted it down the slope. I was like, oh no. And then he puts it up and like probably like a a foot or two. And he's like, I'll finish. And then he like chunks it. He chunks the putt and like left it short of the hole. (laughs) And I was like, oh buddy, what what are we doing here? So he had like a, a three footer and like chunked it. And then so then I had like two putts to make it to the US Junior. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I hope I make this. Because if I missed this putt, like that I would feel awful because then we would have gone to extras. So luckily I made it, but then like we joked he was he's one of my best friends and like Who was it by the way? I felt so bad for him. It was it was it was Jacob Poor. He played for uh
1: and he ended up playing high school golf with you. Yeah, band, yeah. Right? So
0: we actually grew up going to going to um, elementary and middle school together. And then his, he moved, I guess, eighth grade year. Um, and then his senior, I guess, I'm not sure when he moved back to like, I guess, our district. Um, but he still went to Walton Verona for like a year or two. Uh, and then his senior year, he was in our district. Um, because like Walton, you could go it was kind of like set up like a private school. It's private and public where like you didn't have to be in their district or whatever to go there. Um, But his senior year, he was like, I want to, you know, try and win a state title. So he, he played with us. But yeah, we joked about that for years.
1: You said you both were feeling nerves there. What were those nerves like? And was that the first time you like encountered those types of nerves?
0: Yeah, it was really, I guess. I mean, that obviously would have been the, the biggest um tournament I have played in ever to that point um so it was kind of like one of those things where like you don't really know how it's how you're going to feel until you get there and it was just like I remember on that first playoff hole I was so amped up that I like hit this shot that was it was a nine iron from like I want to say 150 and I was you know 14 like probably like 15 or 16 years old, something like that. So I, I didn't hit the ball extremely far, probably like 140, 145 for a nine iron max. And this thing flew like fit, like 10 yards past past the hole. I was just like, okay, we're we're amped.
2: So when you qualified for that first US Junior Am, first of all, what course was it at? And was it the first time that you played a tournament on that kind of setup? And uh, what did you learn from from doing that.
0: Yeah, so it was at um Carlton Woods in the Woodlands, Texas, just outside of Houston, and uh, they have like the AJGA um I'm not sure what it's called now, but it used to be called like the HP Boys or something. It's an invitational. Uh but they play that at the Fazio and we the US Junior was at the Nicholas. But um yeah, it was one of the I mean to that point one of the hardest setups i had ever seen and I was just completely out of my element. Like not even, I was so uncomfortable, like, you know, just with all the ropes and everything. Like I loved it. I loved it so much because it was like a big stage, but I just had no idea how to handle that or how to prepare anything. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't play too well at that event.
1: (laughs) And soon after that, you graduated high school, I think. Uh, and then you went on to Cincinnati. Tell us how you ended up at Cincinnati what brought you there coach uh location all that kind of stuff
0: so uh in the recruiting process I was really in between uh Kentucky EKU and Cincinnati um my dad went to EKU so there was kind of like a family tie there uh and then I grew up a huge huge Kentucky fan like Kentucky basketball like huge fan um and so that was kind of like the school that I wanted to go to and I kind of grew up around the Cincinnati golf team because they would practice at the same facility that I grew up practicing at in the winter. Um, And so, like, I knew all the guys, and honestly, like, the team wasn't very good. Uh, And, like, the coach will say that himself, like, you know, they weren't very good. And part of that problem was because they didn't have um, the scholarship money. And so, um, I guess it was my junior year, they got a new AD. And he bumped the scholarship money up from like one and a half or two for the entire team to like the full allotment, which is like four and a half. And so that was huge. That helped out the program like so much. And um, yeah, just kind of shifted to where like, you know, I wasn't like, I was a good player, but I wasn't like the most desirable um, to Kentucky and a a big SEC school like that. So um, I wasn't going to get much scholarship money, um, if any at all. And so I probably, you know, would have had to play really well to, to make the top five. And then, you know, coach Martin at UC, like really, um, you know, he acted like he really wanted me and, you know, gave me some scholarship money and, um, yeah, just looking at coach Martin's, um, career in golf, I knew that like under him, it would be, you know, I could reach my goals. And so that was like where I decided to go.
2: That's, that's really cool. So actually, if I'm not mistaken, coach Martin actually played on tour. Um,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: And so how did that help you out as a college golfer? Um, what was things he was able to teach you?
0: Yeah, it was actually like pretty much as soon as I got there, it was crazy how much he helped me. Um, because I, I, I knew how to swing the golf club. I knew how to hit the golf ball, but I didn't really know how to truly play golf going into college. Um, and so like Doug spent nine years on tour. Um, he was number one amateur in the world, won the U S junior, just like amazing, amazing career. Just had to, it was cut short because of a back injury. And so I knew that like, I was still going to work with my coach, Larry Ward, in, in Lexington. Uh, and so I just needed someone that could, you know, help me with core strategy and other things like that. And so, um, yeah, he was he was a huge help because my freshman year, I went from freshman to sophomore year, I went from like 76.5 to 71 point something scoring average. And that was just straight up from core strategy and, and short game work.
1: What specifically on the strategy side in the short game did he point you to? Because you're right, your stroke average went from 76 to 71.92, freshman to sophomore year, and you won at Firestone uh, by eagling the 18th hole. Um, so there was a lot of growth and development in that short period of time. That's a huge. That's a huge step up for any golfer to pick up five shots essentially.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a, it was definitely a combination of um, Improving my short game and the strategy work because, like, to be honest, like coming into college, I didn't have any strategy. Like, I would get so mad at my yardage book getting sweat on it from being in my back pocket that I would just put it in my bag and then I would just forget about it. So I'd just be like, you know, range finder, shoot. All right, I'll hit it there. And so, like, you know, any any kind of course management was was helpful. Um, but yeah, it just helped me to you know learn how to prepare and um Kind of like instinctually learn how to or where to hit it in spots, and then like from there, like short game became easier because I'm not always, you know, short sighted or anything like that. Um, yeah, and then you know my my freshman year, I was one of those kids that would you know hit 18 greens and shoot even par, and so like any kind of short game improvement there, it was going to help.
1: Was there anything in particular as far as the strategy goes, like? not going was it not going directly at pins was there uh like principles that he taught you uh what 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 was it in particular
0: um i don't think there was anything like specific like that like it was he i don't think it was anything like do this or do that it was more so just like in specific circumstances like when when to you know go to the middle of green and um I guess one of the, one of the major things that I adopted and still do is in my, in my pen sheet, I'll actually write down instead of just like shooting the whole number and then like looking, okay, it's 17 paces on, like, what does that mean? I'll actually write down the whole number, um, the front number, and then what I want to carry it based off of those two numbers. And then under that, like based off the of conditions, I'll have a, a number that that's playing. So like, I'll have a sometimes I'll have a number that's exactly the pin number. And sometimes I'll have a a number that's, you know, 15, 20 yards off of my, um, the whole number. And that just, that changed my game. like so much because then, you know, I actually had it written down in front of me where I could see it rather than just like in my head, like just crunching numbers, just having so many things going on.
2: So, yeah, I was going to say, you know, you played some really good golf in the, and two back-to-back U.S. amateurs at Pinehurst and Pebble Beach. And those courses are obviously two very difficult courses, especially into the green. So what allowed you to go from, you know, a college player that averages 76 to a player that's in contention to win the biggest amateur tournament in the world?
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, there's just that steady progression and then, um, I guess it was the summer after my sophomore year, I qualified for the 2017 amateur and played really poorly. And I think it was just like kind of the same instances playing in the U S junior. I was just kind of out of my element, really uncomfortable. And, um, that was the first summer that I really played, um, a major amateur schedule. And so it was like a big learning experience of like, you know, playing against best players in, in the world. And as far as amateur golf goes, um, so that was a huge learning experience, and was like really um, important for the next year in 2018, where I basically just learned how to how to prepare and just focus on that um, rather than all the the bells and whistles of a US amateur. Um, and so, also Pebble really fit my game because it was more of a target golf course where you know you hit it in the fairway and then you you hit it on the green because those greens are so small that it's like really just placement, um, and stuff like that. So that played in my favor. And then I feel like I'm a way better, um, match play player than stroke play. I don't know. I don't know why, but I've always kind of thrived in, in match play. Um, and so, you know, I, I just, I really played well at spyglass, you know, I got off to a really good start. Um, I eagled the 11th hole and then birdied the 13th hole and ended up shooting like 72 under or something like that which was you know one of the lowest rounds at spyglass because spyglass was playing really difficult um and so yeah i just got through played played well in stroke play and then kind of just took it one hole at a time and and match play until i got smoked by victor
2: i I actually didn't even know that so you lost to victor hovland and i guess yeah the match of eight
0: yeah, in the quarterfinals, I lost to, to Victor Hovland and it was just like a perfect storm of everything that could have gone wrong, went wrong. And No Laying Up actually posted um, on their Twitter account a picture of mine and Victor's scorecard uh, with hashtag AmesWatch because he had won holes two through eight. And so <laughs> like not not the way I wanted to get on No Laying Up's Twitter account, but it was all in good fun. But yeah, he... We both parred the first hole, and then it was just one of those things where, you know, honestly, we, except for like three holes on the front nine, where I just, I basically gave him, I, I gave him three holes just from like a, a three putt hitting the water on on uh, six, and then made a mess of three or something like that.
2: I was gonna say, so you're obviously a really competitive guy, and you've had a lot of success. What do you, what do you tell yourself when? You're down early, big in a match like that just to keep yourself in it.
0: Oh, play better. <laughs> um, that You know, especially when you're playing against Victor, it's like, what what can I do here? You know, you, a lot of times when you're playing with your buddies or like, you know, a relaxed round, it's like, okay, like, you know, just keep, stay patient and like do the things. But like playing a Vic, Victor Hovland and I'm like five down through six, I'm like. This is the end, <laughs> um, but no, um, he uh, yeah. It was just like one of those things where like I literally would hit it to like fifteen feet, and he'd be twenty or twenty five, and he'd make it. And then I've got like fifteen feet to ha- for hat to have. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so he almost made a hole in one on seven, and then we get to the eighth hole, and it's like playing super hard because it's the greens getting really firm at this point. And I hit like best shot of the week by far to like eight feet behind the hole and he hits it like 30, 40 feet left of the hole. I'm like, okay, he's gonna, you know, two putt, and I got a chance to to get one back. He's not gonna skunk me. And he makes the 40 footer. I'm like, are you joking right now? This is this is incredible. And then I miss my eight footer. I'm like, all right, here we go. Another hole one, seven in a row. And then and then we get to nine and like I'm on the green like twenty feet and he's in the left weeds. Which I'm not sure in the in the in the AT&T if it's a hazard or not. It might, I think it was a hazard when we played in like Long Weeds, and he hits this flop shot and like lands on the back hill behind the ninth hole and like rolls back onto the green. I'm like that was he's just hitting like some of the most incredible shots that I've ever seen, and also it's like so like easy, and <laughs> it was just really incredible. So we have that hole, and then I did birdie ten, so he didn't skunk me, but he he closed me out on twelve.
1: That is. That is a tough way uh, to go, but a good guy to go to, obviously. Um, and so that was 2018. 2019, you lost to Co Trolio, um, I think, in the quarterfinals again. So back-to-back quarterfinals. But and that one was interesting because you got into match play in a 27 for three. And then on top of that, uh, so you were last seed in that. So you're playing number one, Wu, and you beat Wu. Uh, Tell us about how it was, you know, going through that playoff, then taking on uh blue, and then all of a sudden like keeping it rolling all the way through to the quarterfinals.
0: Right. So I'd say that I actually was playing better at the 2018 amateur than the 19. Um, but I always seem to putt really well at at Pinehurst, like in the North and South and the USAM, like I've had some of my best putting rounds. Um and so I'd say my putting really saved me uh, in that event. Just kind of, you know, as as far as that goes, uh, or take that for what it's worth. Because I mean, I was still playing well, making it to the quarterfinals. But like relative to 2018, um, and so in the um, stroke play portion, I shot. I think I think I shot even the first round at on course four, and then was playing like really solid, just like going about the motions. Um, You know, doing doing everything like pretty well, uh, but just like making a bunch of pars. So it wasn't like any fireworks or anything. Um, And so I was I was even par with like five or six holes left, which was actually like top twenty, like fifteenth or something like that at at the time. And I don't remember exactly like the chain of events, but the front nine, the last few holes on the front nine were playing so difficult because you had you know the the. Fifth hole par five, which wasn't super easy. And then um, six, the par three is was just turtle backed. And it was just playing super difficult. Eight was a beast. And so I finished like five over. So my last five or six holes. And I dropped from like 15th to 147. And top 64 makes the cut. So I, I finished in the morning. I was like, dang it. I just, you know, I'm out of the championship. Like we're done. And, um, you know, just as as the day went on, guys just kind of started dropping, started dropping, and um, I think the scoring average was like seventy seven for that day. Because um, I, I I believe I think I remember they stamped the greens at fourteen point seven that that round. It, it was just it was gnarly, and so um, yeah, guys just kept on dropping, and they actually didn't finish. Um, because of darkness or something like that. So I didn't know if I was gonna be a playoff or not going to bed. And so I woke up just acting like I was gonna be in a playoff, woke up and they finished up. And um turned out that there was huge tie at five over. And um I was one of the first guys to go off. I didn't even I honestly didn't even realize how many guys were in that playoff until like I was in the first group, so I went, and then we had to wait for everyone to come through until we figured out who was in the next, and it took, like, two hours for everyone to come through because, you know, I had the 27 guys, and you had, like, threesomes and foursomes. It took forever, so I, I like, got tight after that first hole, and um I think one, I think two guys made birdie, so then there was a, it went from, from like, 27 for three to, like, 22 for one or something like that when we went to the second hole. And then I actually had like ten feet for birdie and lifted it out. Um and then I was expecting someone else to make birdie, but no one did. And a few guys made Bowie, so then it went to like seventeen for one or something like that. And we went to the seventeenth hole in course four. And I, I birdied that, made like a ten footer or so for birdie, and there was four I want to say four of us that buried it. So then we all went to the 18th hole and there was a four, it was four for one. And I was actually the only one that made par. So I got through on a par on the last. So it was, I think it was actually a huge help because, um, you know, coming off the second round of stroke play, I was, you know, not super confident because I just finished five over my last five, but then kind of redeemed myself in that, in that, um, playoff so then going into the round against uh brandon Wu, um i um yeah i was just like okay like same thing you just did in the playoff just you know one hole at a time um i think you know on a, honestly like the playoff taking so long and it being like you know one hole two hours later you play a second hole and then like an hour later you play the next hole and that like space in between those holes really made it like it forced me to play one hole at a time. Um, so that kind of like, you know, propelled me into that, that, um, that first match. And it was like, he honestly played so much better than me. I was just getting up and down from like spots I should not have gotten up and down from. And then, you know, I just made a couple late birdies and then you know, I, he actually birdied the 17th hole, which was one of the most incredible birdies I've ever seen because the pin was like near impossible to get close to, and he hit it to like three feet. And I was just like, oh, "It's sick! Like, <laughs> I got nothing for that." And then we go to 18. I'm I'm one up, and then he kind of got a bad break in the in the right stuff and made it made it a mess of the hole. So I, I hit it to, like 10, 15 feet for for birdie, and he ended up giving me that for the match. So.
1: That was a great run, both in 2018 and 2019. And I wanna jump back to college. In 2016, uh, you won at Firestone, as we said, in Eagle on the 18th hole. And then you won again in 2017 at Firestone. Tell us about that. It sounds like you might like that course a little bit. Um, And what those experience was, getting your first college win. Most guys, when they play college events, like most guys don't get a win. And to win twice is really good. And with that kind of competition there, it's even better.
0: Yeah. It was just like, you know, it, it wasn't like anything crazy. Like I was at the course and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this course. Like it fits me. I think it was just kind of a coincidence that I happened to, to win there. And I think winning the first year, the next year I was like, all right, I did this last year. Let's do it again. Um, which it was like kind of a different confidence because I had never really like defended an event before. So it was like, you know, it was first time, and you know, it worked out. But um, yeah, my I'd say like the 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 one I won sophomore year was just crazy um, because like I had played well all week. I think I had one or two bogeys for the for the entire tournament, and like especially coming after my freshman year where my short game wasn't great. I like did my stats for the last round, and I was. Um, I think I, for the tournament, I had only I had only missed one up and down, and like was a hundred percent on up and downs my last round, and like was just I was honestly a little more proud of that based on like what we had been working on from freshman year to sophomore year. Um, but yeah, coming down the stretch, I was it was I was pretty far ahead, um, but or not part far ahead, but I was like right in contention, like leading, and then I there's two par fives to finish 16s par five and then 18s, um, a par five. And so I birdied 16 and then parred 17 to par three and then came to 18 and it's like this 90 degree dog leg right. And, um, I kind of got a little, little aggressive with my drive and like pushed it a little bit. And so I like luckily it carried and I had like nothing in, um, I think I had like 187 or something like that into this front right hole location. And I was in the lead, and I was, I, I think I was the last group. And so me and my coach were like, all right, middle of the green, just like left of that hole, like just, you know, give yourself a putt for birdie, like whatever. And I hit this, and I'm like, if that's the right yardage, it's going to be really good, but this might go in the water. <laughs> and so. Luckily, it like it lands, and I'm like, okay, we're on the green, and I get up there, and it's like, you know, ten feet from the hole, but not even close to where I was trying to hit it. But it was like at the pin, and um, made it for eagle, and then I think we ended up winning the the team team championship by like one or two, and that was the only time we won as a team, um, my entire time in college. Because the year I won, the next year when I won, um. I think we lost by like one or two, and I actually three part the last hole for par, so it was just like ah uh, not the fireworks we had last year, but
1: and then you finish up college now um, and recently you've played on um the form tour, Latin America Tour some. Tell us about what that's been like. I know Latin America tour. Uh, a lot of times can be a little difficult. You're going country to country traveling around, uh, and Canada, even though it seems like a small place to a degree, it's a pretty large country. You got to travel across the country for many of the tournaments. What's that been like going from, uh, being in the Midwest essentially to, uh, having to go across countries and organize your golf and your schedule.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, you know, had to get a passport once I'd turned professional because I didn't have one in college or anything like that. i never, I went to Winnipeg Canada when I was like in elementary school with my family. But other than that, I'd never really been outside of the country. Um, and so that was, that was definitely new. Um, and you know, honestly, most, most of my professional career has been during COVID or like post COVID. And so, I played Latin America starting in 2020, and I didn't really get a full like Latin America um, experience because all the events I played were either in Mexico, Dominican Republic, or Florida. I played two events in in Mexico, two in um, in uh, Florida, and then yeah, two in Florida, and then one in Dominican Republic, and and then by that time, form tour was starting up, and I only had one one good finish in the dr. So I just started up on form. So I didn't really get a full Latin America uh, experience, like you know when guys are having the twelve-hour flights and then having to take a taxi to the other the other airport and then fly to where they're actually going. Um, I didn't get any of that. My my travel was pretty simple um, in Latin, but. Yeah it's been kind of interesting this year with Canada because it's their first year back and um, just trying like it's not what it used to be as far as like the travel they used to start in the west and just kind of work their way over so it was a little easier but the first three weeks that I played we started in Edmonton which is you know over in Alberta and then we went to Saskatchewan um, and we went This place called Elk Ridge which is an awesome resort, but it was in the middle of nowhere. So getting there was kind of difficult, even though like, I didn't drive. um, But if I drove, it would have been like six hours. But instead, I had a a three-leg flight, a three-leg connection. So I flew from Edmonton to Calgary. Calgary to this place called Regina. It looks like Regina, but it said Regina. And then um, Saskatoon. And then from there, I had two-and-a-half-hour drive, but if I drove, it would have been six hours total, and so it was just really interesting getting to that spot, and then from there, we went to Prince Edward Island, which that was a whole trip, um, you know, it, it flew to to Toronto, it was only one connection, but like, just with get everyone getting bags and stuff, it was so hard, Canada's having some, a lot of problems with, you know, people not not having the same workforce they had but pre-covid and and then higher demands for flights so like guys aren't getting their bags like we haven't i think everyone has their bags this week i haven't heard of any troubles this week but um yeah edmonton saskatoon and pei like i think 50 guys or something like that didn't get their clubs start of the week in pei
2: i think kind of on top of all the uh latin and canada adventures you actually had to take a a lot of time off due to injury at the beginning of your pro career um if you want to talk about that and you know the journey back to being healthy
0: right right so I guess it all started in 2019 um May of 2019 my senior year I had um my hips had just been like getting really tight and we had been in the gym and um, doing a lot of like the correct gym movements uh, and gym like workouts. But for me specifically, it wasn't great because I was getting really strong, but I wasn't getting any flexibility. And so, especially my T spine, my thoracic spine. So, my hips and my low back were taken on all the load because I was just naturally, my body's going to find ways to still get that power and that force. But my T spine, which is supposed to take that load, wasn't capable of rotating and taking that load. And so my hip started hurting, my left one started hurting, um, in the spring of 19. And then I had an MRI that I actually, it's still, I still don't know if I have, like I had one or not. Um, but I was told I had a labral tear in my left hip, but it was super small, like not, 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 um, surgery not needed or anything like that. Um, they just gave me a, uh, hip injection where they would you know, go in with an x-ray, go down into the joint and then put in the steroid or whatever, just to basically take down inflammation in there. Um, and so that helped for like a year, it was, you know, really good. Just, um, kind of lost a little bit of mobility in that hip. But as far as pain didn't happen, I was able to play golf fully. I was like, all right, we're, we're moving on. And, uh, but I realized that like, it was because I was in the gym, um, that's like in my mind. I was like, okay, I was in the gym getting too big and like not flexible enough. So like, I'm not going to go in the gym, which is just totally wrong. But like, that was just what I was thinking, and so I didn't really like work out or anything. Um, and then, so that just basically took my strength away, <laughs> and and then I was still not flexible and and weaker. And so then I would I would uh, and I guess it was 2020 spring um, my hip pain kind of came back, but not really. It was just like, I just, it kind of just felt like the, the injection was just kind of wearing off, but it wasn't a big deal. Um, more so my, my low back, um, my, like my L5, um, area really started hurting. So I got an MRI there. And, um, luckily we luckily got an MRI before I tried to like keep on going because, um, I had a stress reaction in the the pedicle, so they de- they described it. It's like the the bridge between like the back of your spine that you can feel and like the actual like Vertebrae I had a stress reaction there. So like they said if Like I kept on going and like didn't take time off then I could have gotten a fracture or something like that And like the vertebrae could have actually like shifted or something like that, which would have not been fun um, But yeah, they were like it's not it's not really anything crazy at the moment, uh, but it could have been so that was really really lucky they just told me take a couple months off and the like i took like a a bone supplement or something like that to it was basically like a lot of vitamin d or something like that but it basically like was supposed to help with like bone growth and stuff like that And it helped a lot and they basically just told me if it hurts don't do it like that was my only guide was was pain and so i would just putt and chip around and every once in a while I'd hit like flighted, like L to L shots. Cause like there was no rotation in that. Um, but I guess it was around this exact same time that, um, I started working with a trainer in 2020. And, um, that was kind of when like my mind shifted from, you know, being gym shy to, okay, like doing stuff in the gym correctly to take care of my body, um, rather than just, you know, hitting it far. And so, um, he's been a huge help he was a huge help in get my back back to normal and um yeah i have zero problems with my back now and then although in 2021 last so last spring my hip pain did come back and i saw some doctors and they're like basically kind of saying that there's no no surgery needed um it's just kind of pain management and um you know there really isn't conclusive. They told me that I have a hip impingement, which is like kind of the the bone growth, um, on there. So just don't have as much mobility in that hip. And it's just kind of, you know, I got to spend some extra time warming up. Um, and then, but yeah, the, my trainer has been a huge help to me and, you know, get me in the, the right spots and being able to play golf.
1: That is cool. I know Cooper and I both have had trainer before and, uh, it helped me out a ton to have that. I know, like, between my senior year and my gap year, I took before I went and played in college, I put on 30 pounds, uh, partially because I was underweight. And so we just needed to put on some muscle, put on uh, some weight. For you, it sounded like some of it was just about working out, um, getting not just the flexibility, but also getting that strength. So, not just lengthening the muscles by stretching them, but strengthening them. What did those workouts look like? And then when you go on the road, you're traveling around, you have access to gyms that may be spotty at best. What do you do to maintain that?
0: Yeah. So, um, my trainer has been really helpful in like helping me be f- really flexible with my workouts. Um, and so in the off season, he's in Orlando. And so in the off season, when I'm, when I'm there, we're going five days a week and it's just full out, like you know, let's, let's get after it. And so my first, my first winter down there, um, going five days a week, I was, I was toast. Like the first month, like, especially like I was getting up at like 6am just so I could, you know, work out in the morning rather than doing it in the middle of the day, uh, when I could be on the golf course. Um, I hadn't really like, woken up that early other than like a early round of, of golf in a tournament i re- like consistently in the off season i'm not waking up at 6 a.m on the, on the regular so that was you know new to me it was kind of you know one of those um you know new things kind of motivating things um but yeah so we get up at like 6 30 and honestly the sometimes like the workouts like if i if i'm doing new movements they can take up to two hours um but like once i get like we would do month programs. So I'd have a a workout one day a week or like one day, one workout each day of the week. Uh, So like one Monday, one Tuesday, so on. So basically doing the same workout four times, but I have five separate workouts. Um, And so by the end of the month, like when I'm getting used to those movements and doing everything, it took like an hour, hour and a half. Um, But basically we'd start out doing, uh, my prehab, I would do that every day, um, kind of just like a uh, rehab motions, but basically like pre-injury, so we call it prehab, and then um, then I would do core, we usually have like three or four um, movements we do there, in like a um, circuit, and then uh, between that and the actual workout, we would do a movement circuit, which can look different, sometimes it's like, you know, walking rotations and stuff like that so like kind of like mobility stuff and then um each each exercise we're doing in like the main workout has a smaller um a smaller movement so like if we're doing like dumbbell bench next to it i'm gonna do like some uh internal hip rotation stuff just kind of like back and going back and forth. That way I'm not getting super tired and I can complete all these, all these movements.
1: And this week, uh, you're traveling. So, uh, you do some of those workouts on the road. What I really also wanted to get into is you got a tournament today. And so we obviously appreciate you taking the time to talk to us on a tournament day. Tell us what tournament prep looks like on the road. Like this, this specific tournament, you can go into the details what did you do this week? Uh, you probably went out, played practice rounds. What were you focusing on during those practice rounds? and uh, what did you take away from it?
0: Right, right. So um, yeah, just regarding the the workouts of tournament week, um, like I said, my trainer has been super helpful, so like he he puts all my workouts together, and uh, we basically like created some workouts that like I could do in a in my bedroom with no no equipment at all. Um, and so, like, a lot of, uh, isometric, like, holds and stuff, planks and, and different stuff like that. So, I can really do it anywhere. Cause a lot of times I'm staying in Airbnbs with, with other guys up here. And so, like, it's no telling. Like, at least in a hotel, you have, you know, a, a gym with some dumbbells and like some treadmills or something. But, you know, if you're in an Airbnb, who knows what you're going to have. And so, he puts those together for me and it's great. But, um, but yeah, as far as like what I've done this week, uh I flew in on Monday uh, and had some crazy delays. Was supposed to fly in at nine thirty, ended up landing at one AM and by a miracle the Avis preferred guy was still at his little hut in the in the the rental car garage. So I was able to get a rental car rather than having to Uber to my hotel. So I got in. I went to bed at like three AM on Monday. Um but I didn't want to, I didn't want to sleep in a ton and like kind of just wreck my sleep schedule. So I woke up at like nine and was just exhausted. I was so tired. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of took my time, um, getting out to the course and there was a pro, there was a pro-am in the morning and afternoon yesterday, Wednesday. And so this was Tuesday. And so I knew I had to play 18 holes because the course was closed for me all all day on Wednesday so I had to play 18 holes and so just kind of took took it easy didn't practice a whole lot because I knew I was going to be playing 18 holes and needed to save my energy just kind of warmed up hit a couple putts and then went out to the first tee and did all of my um on course prep and then yeah so then yesterday um came out and you know couldn't get on the course so I was just um doing, doing some practice work. So, um, focused on, um, doing, getting some numbers and track man work early, um, yesterday morning and then, um, got some lunch and then did some putting work, did some, um, technique putting work and then speed drills and then, um, a little bit of chipping, had a chipping contest with a buddy. So, you know, keeping it light. And then just finished off by doing some some more wedges and um, short iron work um, to finish off.
2: That's some some really good information, and uh, definitely not something I ever thought about as a junior was conserving energy. Um, can you talk a little bit about? Did you ever go through a point when you were a junior when you practiced too much or prepared too much, um, and how did you, you know, mature to the point where you're like, okay? all I need to do is see the course. I don't need to beat balls all day to get ready for this tournament.
0: Right. Um, you know, as far as like, um, you know, um, over practicing, I was not that guy. Cause I was, I grew up, you know, early, early years playing at a golf course that didn't have a range. So I just played golf all the time. And so that kind of like carried over into amateur golf and, and professional golf too, because I, you know, had to learn how to practice on the course and, and different things like that. And so I, I guess the only time that I like had to like, kind of rein it back was with practice rounds. Um, so my, so my first corn fairy event, I, I my only corn fairy event where I qualified in 2020, um, I flew in on Sunday and then played 18 holes Monday, 18 holes Tuesday. And then there was a pro am. So I played, um, in the morning, um, on, on Wednesday. And so I had a ton of golf in me and then played all four rounds. Um, and you know, it was pretty stressful because it was my only corn fray event. And so like after the event, I almost got, I, I missed getting to Bogota by one stroke and, um, but I was thinking, if I had gotten into into that event, I would be so toast. Um, so it's more so like like I I never really struggled with that in like amateur golf or junior golf because they were usually like one event at a time, um, or I guess amateur golf. We there was a couple of times I went three weeks in a row, but for the most part, like they weren't hard walks uh, on those golf courses or anything like that. So. I guess professional golf was really the first time I had to kind of rein it back. And especially with injuries, because, uh, if I have too many swings under my belt then my hip gets tired and, and inflamed, and then it's a couple days to get it back into that spot. Um, so yeah, practice rounds are practice rounds are like, you know, one of those things where you really have to find that balance. Cause it's like, I want to do as much prep, prep as possible, but I want to hurt myself before getting in there.
2: Yeah. That's always a really <clears throat> tough balance. Um, we've talked about your swing coach a little bit, and we've talked a lot about your trainer. Have you ever worked with anybody on the mental side of the game?
0: Yes. Uh, not super extensively. Um, but I have my, so my senior year, we had a new assistant coach and his name is Austin Frick. And he used to be, he was like a grad assistant at Tennessee. Um, but he graduated there with a psychology and kinesiology degree and so um, knew his way around the mental side and and so he was super helpful my my senior year with um, mental preparation and stuff and um, I guess it was last year um, after my after my injuries in 2020 I really wasn't playing my best golf um, in late 2020 and early 21 and kind of especially with the the shift into professional golf and everyone's good and feeling like I needed to basically play perfect to um play good golf my confidence was just not high and so we basically I basically called him and I was like hey do you mind working with me for a little while and kind of help me get my confidence back and um We, yeah, he was like, yeah, let's, let's go. And so we worked, we would call like once a week, sometimes we met in person, uh, basically just worked on, you know, our, our motto was uh, building, you know, each day we're, we're building on something and, you know, as the cliche goes, did I get better today? And so it was just simple things, you know, I feel like that's always what it is, is simple things just get you to, to your end goals.
2: That is really cool. And sounds like definitely helped a lot. Um, something that we haven't touched on as well is nutrition. Um, I'm wondering if you have a strategy for nutrition while you're on the road, traveling in different countries. It's um, very difficult to stick to any type of certain plan, uh, I'm sure. But what do you what do you do to strategize on that on that front?
0: Right especially with, you know, my hip and injuries that I've had, inflammation is kind of like the devil. Um, and so, um, you know, anything I can do to kind of take away inflammation or take in- anti-inflammatory um, foods, because also I learned like after taking so many like pain medications as as far as like, you know, Advil and stuff, um, but the NSAIDs and stuff—they just make it worse because they may make it feel better, but it restricts your blood su- blood supply. So then you're not getting the um, recovery, I guess, cause from that from that blood entering where you need it to. Um, that I actually, you know, I stopped taking um, pain medication pretty much all throughout, unless it's just like I I need it or else I can't walk. Um, but yeah so um don't have any like plans or anything it'd be nice if i was on the pga tour and could hire a nutritionist to just basically either make a plan or or cook me food (laughs) that'd be that'd be the easiest um but you know i just just simple things try and stay away from fried food as much as possible um i have a supplement that i take um not religiously but like a good amount that has turmeric and some other good natural things in it um yeah just mainly trying to eat eat clean foods uh fruits and vegetables and um just things to give me energy and not inflame me but that's kind of hard in in Canada there's a lot of starches
1: it's easy to find food that uh, doesn't do the best for you, especially when you're playing a lot, you're on the road and you got to get something. And, you know, it's better to eat something a lot of times than nothing. And one thing I wanted to jump back to, we got two questions left for you. And one was you were talking about your prep this week and you worked on putting technique was one of the things you said, and you also said you did some track man work. So tell us how you use, um, the track man when you're, uh, getting ready for a tournament uh what sort of technique work you're doing with putting like how much time you're spending the week of focusing on technique and then also like swing videos etc whether you're taking them the week of a tournament how often you're doing that all that kind of stuff
0: right so uh, with TrackMan, i'm way i try to be way more result focused um than rather than getting super bogged down by all the numbers, um, because I could sit there and nitpick every number. And then by the end of that range session, I'm like, Oh crap, I need to do this. I need to do that. And it's just like, no, like, let's just get the ball in the hole. And so a lot of times, um, I have two, I have two wedge, wedge test, wedge tests that I do, um, basically from starting at, uh, 45 yards to all the way up to 145 yards. Um, that's all my wedge numbers from 60 to, to, um, 145. Um, and basically just go through there and it just, you know, an easy way to assess my wedges and kind of, um, be a little more result focused, uh, and trying to hit numbers rather than just, you know, blindly hitting wedges and doing technique and stuff. Um, so that's what I'll do with my wedges. I like to do, I'll, that's what I spend most time doing trackman work with is the wedge tests. And then, um, I just kind of have some key, key numbers that I look at, um, with driver and, and wedge or irons and stuff. And it's usually using my path, uh, with driver, when I stay between zero and two degrees into out, that's kind of when I'm, sw- when I realize I'm swinging my best. Um, and then irons, um, it can kind of get, hard to see, but, um, like my, uh, attack angle with irons, um, it's, it has a tendency to get a little high, uh, because I get a little draggy. Um, and so that's kind of the two numbers I'll look at. Uh, and then, um, as far as like swing, um, but then, you know, I'm spending most of my time looking at the carry numbers and just getting yardages and, Stuff like that, especially like in Canada, there's a lot of places that we're playing at elevation, um, and so you know this week it's only like thirteen or fourteen hundred, so it's like a, a yard from like a hundred hundred yards and like two hundred or two yards from two hundred, so nothing crazy. Um, and then, yeah, just I kind of mix it up on the putting green. Uh, I have a couple different um, a couple different drills that I do. Um, technique i like to use the mirror just make sure my eyes are over the over the putter and golf ball Um, and just i just do that on on like a short straight putt um pretty simple and then and then i have a speed drill that um hunter stewart works with scott stallings with on um and he showed it to me and it's it's seems super complex but basically you have like four coins and there's basically like three one foot increments because you have four coins each one's a foot apart and then on each side of those coins you have six feet nine feet or wait yeah six feet 12 feet anyways it goes up to like 30 feet and then you you try and get one ball inside each gate so like in between the first and second coin the second and third and the third and fourth and you basically like if you don't if you don't do that in one go you go to the other side do that um and basically once you clear it out you just take the T out and you just go through it and it's not super it's not super like i need to do it in so many tries it's just kind of like getting through it and by the end of it your your speed's pretty good um and i'll do that for speed a lot and then there's a, a couple other drills that are more result focused uh, from like 6 to 8 to 10 feet, uh, and then 10 to 15 feet. Um, he gave me this drill that it's 10 to 15 feet, and you hit a 10-footer, 15-footer, 10-footer, 15-footer, 12 and a half, and you do that twice. And if you make four of those 10 putts, which 40% from 10 to 15 feet is the PGA Tour average, then you've hit your goal.
1: That That makes sense. So the last question we have for all our guests is – now you're older, smarter, wiser, all the good stuff. If you go back to yourself as a junior golfer, what is the one thing you would tell yourself?
0: Mm. One thing. Um I don't know, because I, I don't know if I would really change anything. That's what I was I was thinking of. Because like if I told myself something, then that would mean something different would happen. Um so, I, I mean, I guess just say, keep working, really. Um, I mean, I, I, I want to say have fun with it, but I, I, I did have a lot of fun with it. So, I don't really want to change anything. Um, so, I'll just say keep, keep working.
1: <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, we appreciate you taking the time. If people wanted to get in contact with you, reach out to you, um, what's the best way to... Get to you on social media or other ways.
0: Yeah, probably my my Instagram, um, Austin squire Seven is the handle, and then I also have a um, Facebook page. Um, that's just Austin Squires. Um, and it's just like I'm not I'm not super active as I need to be on that, but um, yeah, it basically just highlights all of my golf and scores and stuff. And then Instagram is more of like personal life coupled with golf and kind of like. Cool videos and stuff, but the the Facebook page is more just like specific like results and stuff like that.
1: Thanks for joining us today. Please do us a big favor and like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, so we can help others learn how to play better tournament golf. You can find us online at thetournamentcode.com, on Instagram at thetournamentcode, and on Twitter at tournamentcode. As always feel free to reach out to us at those places or email us at daniel at thetournamentcode.com and cooper at thetournamentcode.com. We hope you join us as we continue to dive deeper into what it takes to play Elite Tournament Golf.